Father, we thank you. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. Father, we just humbly surrender ourselves before you this morning. Father, in and of ourselves, O oh Lord, we have nothing to give. Father, we have no strength even to hear you unless you quicken our mortal bodies this morning. I pray, Father, that even now, O oh Lord, you would quicken each one of our ears, O oh Lord. Grant us receptive ears, O oh Lord, Father. I pray, Father, that, Lord, the word that is going to be preached will become a burden in my heart. And, Father, it will also, Father, find place in the hearts of your people. Whatever is of God, O oh Lord, will take root in our lives and bear fruit, even a hundredfold. Father, this morning we just don't want to limit your hand in our lives. Let your work, word, Father, have its complete effect in our lives. Enable us, Lord Father, to guard what we receive this morning and let the enemy not steal it from us. To that end, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint even the speaking and the hearing of the word. Father, change us. Let your Write your laws in the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. And Father, lead us in the way of everlasting life this morning. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Okay. So this morning I just wanted to uh, continue in uh, what we've been looking at in our church um, on different ways of the manifestations of witchcraft. Of course, uh, if you've been studying, I mean, uh, coming to the church for a, uh, for a considerable period of time, at least the past five to six teaching sessions, uh, you looked at the various manifestations of witchcraft, no? the subtle variations of how it uh, works in our lives and, and how to walk in our deliverance and uh, it's a serious walk. No. As I said on Wednesday, it's a very dangerous calling to be a believer. Okay. So there's no playing games. We are in 100% completely. We don't draw back as Demas. And we ask God for the grace every time when we listen and come and listen to the word that he will give us uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the word becomes relevant in our lives. The second thing, if you looked at, at least in the last Wednesday service, and especially this uh, message will be a kind of a corollary to the last Wednesday service, where the pastor was talking about the how witchcraft works in our lives and how we have to discern the spirit of witchcraft in our lives. And he was talking about one thing, the only way to defeat the spirit of witchcraft in our lives is the way of the cross. Very important for us to understand. Because... One of the things that you will see over a period of time, even as we progress in our walk with the Lord, and even as we look at the environment around us, especially the religious environment, the message of the cross will get more and more diluted. And it's very, very difficult you to hear voices where the cross is preached. You see, uh, Paul tells in Philippians, he says, they they are not enemies of Christ. They are the enemies of the cross. And he says, he says, I say that weeping. And my heart is broken. Because I see, I mean, can you imagine right there during the time of the apostolic age, you had a set of people who were, who were corrupting the gospel. 
and the and the message of the cross was getting diluted which is the only weapon that we have to overcome the evil one in our lives and that is something which we need to really reveal. let's go back this morning and see what this message of the cross is what is it specifically okay i mean um we sing that song when i you see it is a survey it's 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 something like you you you're searching what's going on over here scouting what's you're 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 putting all the faculties of your mind and your spirit and your soul and your strength and surveying it you know see the puritans especially all the songs and the hymns that we sing they were essentially a product of the reformation and therefore the central message of the cross has come back during the reformation and therefore you'll see all those hymns they had one thing in common the message of the cross when i survey the wondrous cross do we survey what is surveying of the wondrous cross you know my the entire message that i'm going to share this morning is inspired by one book that i was i'm reading almost like 60% through 70% through uh, by martin lloyd jones the cross that's the title of the of the of the book and it's very old book i found it in pastor james's library and i snicked it out and of course he knows it okay. it's one of, he, he doesn't he hides all those martin lloyd jones in his library in his and he, he doesn't allow anybody to see it and i just go and i said pastor can i have that book because this you need to understand i was trying to buy the book on kindle it was 2000 rupees and you go to pastor james's library you will have gems okay uh, that is for people who are searching okay you need to grab it with bold both hands okay the kingdom of god progresses by ah uh, and the violent take it by force all right so you need to understand this is some, this is very important and this the whole that entire book is a fabulous study it's inspired it's not copied it's inspired okay so i i just want to look at what is the message of the cross if i were to ask you you know if you if if i were to ask one of you randomly come and share for 5 minutes what the message of the cross means to you what would you say think about it just for just one maybe 20 seconds what would come to your mind what is the message of the cross kya hai ye cheez you see the apostles on the other hand they were absolutely passionate about the message of the cross let me tell you what what i mean by that you see jesus was not a great teacher alone he was a great teacher for sure he did not come to lead an example to follow and say what a great teacher follow his example ah uh-uh. ah yes we will follow but that is not the reason why he came it's see Uh, if if i say we have to live by the sermon on the mount oh if you read the sermon on the mount you will be depressed and you will want to just end your life because the sermon on the mount is not it is not difficult it is impossible so uh, if you say uh, we, we in our church we teach what jesus teaches and we ask us we we exhort and encourage people to lead by lead, i mean follow his example you know what is actually going to happen you will be depressed who can follow this example unless you understand 
what the cross has done for for us. And therefore, you know what? The the apostles were absolutely passionate about the cross. The cross was something which permeated their thinking. They were saturated by the message of the cross. You know, he says, I'm going to show you some 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 uh, some portion from the Bible. Look at what Galatians chapter three will say. Was one onwards, Galatians chapter 3. Oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You know what Paul did when he went to the Galatian church and he started evangelizing them? You know what he did? Possibly at least 20 years back Jesus was crucified. I'm not sure how when, when the Galatian church was, was established. But through his preaching, he clearly depicted the cross on which Jesus was crucified. And he says, portrayed among whom? In other words, he literally brought the cross of Jesus Christ into the church and showed what exactly what the, the cross meant. And he says, you know what? I, I taught you the cross. What has happened? Somebody has bewitched you. Somebody has bewitched you. Why? What is bewitching therefore? It's the, 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 the word in Greek is baskoneo. Baskoneo means evil eye. To charm. Huh? This happens a lot in girl meets boy and she wants to charm him and she does this. It's, it's, it's baskoneo. Okay? Evil. I mean, movies, plays in Hollywood called bewitched. Okay, so this is a spirit of the age. And what is the primary work of the spirit of bewitching or charming is to obscure what? The message of the cross. Because that is the one tool or the weapon that God has given us to, to, to finish off witchcraft in our lives. The work of witchcraft in our lives. And what happens? The enemy does. And you know what? Enemy hates, hates the cross. This is what he does. So Galatians chapter 3. And then he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. And then again, First Corinthians chapter 1. This is so consistent. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made into no effect. Why? Because the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness, but to unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then it pleased God. Same chapter, verse 21. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message being preached. What was the message that was being preached? The message of the cross. It is foolishness. He says what he says. Preach to save those who believe. The Jews require a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach what? Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. This is what he preached. I remember... Billy Graham, in one of his crusades in 1955, or one man of God was uh, was uh, commenting on it. 1955, he was invited to a, a series of uh, evangelic uh, some meetings in Oxford. The Oxford University extended an invitation to Billy Graham those days, and some of the intellectuals in Oxford were so upset that 
Oxford University invited Billy Graham. They said, how come this fundamentalist preacher is asked to come and speak to our students about his fundamentalist doctrine? And Billy Graham was, you know, really scared. So what he did, you know, he wanted to appease the people, all the intellectual audience over there. For I mean, it was a four-day meeting. For three days, he started quoting from Frederick Nietzsche and this uh, Sodden Kierkegaard and all these intellectual people do just to please them. And you know what happened? Nothing happened. He got more frustrated. By the fourth day, you know what he did? He said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to just keep this aside. He took the Bible right from the Genesis to Revelation. He preached the message of the cross, the sacrifice of the sacrifice. Blood, blood, blood. You know what one commentator says? He says, blood was literally flowing from Bill Graham's pulpit. And that day, 400 people came to the Lord. That one day. The message of the cross. It is foolishness, you see. To those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, you know, sometimes we, we, we are even, even in our own church, you know, we, we are looking for some new ideas, new preaching, you know, some new thoughts. It is old rugged cross. See? And Paul, when he went to Corinth, he made a determined decision. He didn't say, I don't have to say it, let him speak through his own, in his own words. First Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined, you see that? Not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the reason why we're studying the children, uh, the brethren who are getting baptized. When you are getting baptized, you are identifying with Jesus at three levels. You are identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But death is just no ordinary death. It is a death on the cross. It is so specific. You see, Philippians will talk about the specifics. He's just not beating in the air. What it is? What is this? What is the death on the cross? Philippians chapter 2 will say. But made himself of no reputation. This is Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 onwards. Taking the form of a bond servant coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death. Full stop. No. Comma. What is that? Even the death on the cross. Specific. So question therefore is, what is the message of the cross? Yeah. I, I didn't title this today's message, but I just... So what is the message of the cross? If I were to ask you, what is the message of the cross? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say. What is the message specifically? I want to look at one particular conversation or the dialogue or the interchange of ideas or between Nicodemus and who? Jesus. Nicodemus, I mean for those people who don't know Nicodemus is supposed to be the, the, the guy who was a part of the Sanhedrin, Jewish, Jewish Sanhedrin. One of the top guys in the religious order in Judaism of those days. And he sees the miracles of Jesus. He listens to the teaching of Jesus. And he is a little troubled in his conscience. And he knows this is no ordinary man. 
and he comes in the in the night to talk to Jesus and he says rabbi we know that you are a man from god nobody does these things and jesus says unless you are born again you will not see unless you are born of the water and of the spirit you will not enter that which is born of flesh is flesh that is which is born of spirit is spirit the wind goes wherever it wishes and same way is the one who is born of the spirit and nicodemus is scratching his head and he's saying how can a man be born again how can he go into his mother's womb and just and you know teach jesus says are you a teacher and you don't know these things if i told you of earthly things and you cannot believe what will happen to you if i tell you of heavenly things and then he teach he makes some interesting comments and you'll find the cross there let's see the message of the cross to nicodemus all right that is we need to understand what this cross is right what is the message of the cross if i were to ask you i am i'm sure most of us will have some vague ideas we need to have concrete ideas as to what what precisely the message of the cross is so this is john 3 14 to 16 a passage which you might have looked 100 times if you've been if you love the gospel of john this is what it says and moses This was fourteen, and as Moses lifted up the servant serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What is He saying, Nicodemus? just as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness yeah that is exactly how i should be lifted up and everyone who looks at the serpent got healed everybody who believes in the son of man will have eternal life now this is what he told nicodemus and we know from scripture that this is the cross what is happening over here let us go to numbers and look at what actually happening over here this is numbers chapter 21 and verse 4 onwards then they journeyed from mount sinai mount hor sorry not sinai mount hor by the way of the red sea to go around uh, the land of edom and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way other translations will say they became very impatient on the way impatient with whom impatient with god basically god and his leadership and the people spoke against god and against moses why have you brought us up out of egypt to die in this wilderness and then you know what moses says for there is no food or water and our soul loathes this worthless bread then what what did god do so the lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of israel died therefore the people came to moses and said we have sinned for we have spoken against the lord and against you pray to the lord that he take away the serpents from us so moses prayed to the lord prayed for the people then the lord said to moses make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that whoever is bitten when he looks at it he will live so made a moses made a bronze serpent put it on a pole and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent he lived and this is exactly what jesus is alluding to So what is the message of the cross first thing message of the cross to nicodemus what is what 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 did the children of israel come and say we have so what is telling what is he telling nicodemus you have 
You have sinned first. And Nicodemus is saying, how did I sin? First thing, did you ever complain and murmur? Were you impatient because you thought the Lord has delayed something, you wanted it now? Now question, do you believe that murmuring is sin? No, think about it, no? You remember that parable of this, uh, of these laborers. So these people are finding, are trying to find work and the landlord comes and he says, hey, you guys, uh, uh, did you, you did not find any, 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 uh, any uh, work? How can we find work? Nobody is hiring us. This is early in the morning. He said, go and work in my vineyard, in my uh, vineyard. One day dinari, one day wage I'll give you. So they come and start working and then again he goes to the next, in the next three hours, he finds few people over there. Go, I'll give you the wages. Third hour, go, I will give you the wages. Fourth hour, go, I will give you the wages. And finally, the day's work is over and he is giving the salaries to everybody. So he begins with who first? He begins with the guys who started first. He gives them, no, no, he, the last first. Okay, the, the, the people who were hired the last first. So he gives them the same money he promised to the first guy. And then all those people who thought, you know, they worked really hard, they thought they'll get more. And then uh, he gives them the same money. And they start murmuring. You know what Jesus says? Did you not agree for... Did you not agree? E, are you actually jealous because I showed mercy to somebody else? Is your eye evil because I showed mercy to someone else? No, that is, that is how they murmured. Now, murmuring is a dangerous sin. So he's asking Nicodemus, did you ever murmur? <laughs> Second, he says, are you grateful? Do you know that ingratitude is sin? Now, if I were to ask you this question, if God were to judge us based upon our intensity of our, of our thankfulness, what will happen to us? Think about it. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the job. You know, that is the reason why I like that man of God. And they asked him this question. How do you, how are you doing? Better than I deserve. How is your work? Better than I deserve. How is your salary? More than I deserve. No. You see, no complaints. Gratitude. That was, you sinned, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is completely shocked. And then, second thing, he says, Nicodemus, you are under the wrath of God. Why? Because he was the one who sent snakes to bite. Right? They sinned. And this, why? Otherwise, why, why should he say, uh, just like Moses has lifted up the pole, why should he say that to Nicodemus? He says, Nicodemus, do you believe that you are under the wrath of God? You know what is happening to Nicodemus? Entire categories in my mind. What do you mean? All the works that I did till date, nothing is going to value. Nothing. You have sinned, you are another wrath of God. But because he was the one who sent snakes into your life to bite you. Third lesson. The second, next lesson he's going to tell, tell, the message he's going to tell Nicodemus is, you have poison of sin flowing through you. And that you are going to die and there is nothing you can do about it. You're going to die. Sin is flowing through you and you got nothing. In other words, you can't buy anti-woman venom. No way. You are under God's wrath and in danger of eternal condemnation. 
That is what he was telling Nicodemus. Then, next one he is saying, the only way you can escape eternal death is by first humbling yourself and acknowledging that you have. Can you imagine? He is actually telling Nicodemus, you have to say, Nicodemus, you have sinned. That's exactly what they did, right? What did they say? They came, Numbers chapter 21 verse 7, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. You see that? We have sinned against the Lord and against you. That's exactly the order. And that's exactly how even the rich, uh, the, the, the prodigal son comes back. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So he's saying, you know, you're less like the prodigal son. You're no better than him. Humbling. And then he says, finally, the provision of God is, is a serpent on a pole. When you just look at it, you will live. Isn't it interesting? God's deliverance is in the shape of the curse that he sent. Isn't it amazing? God's deliverance is in the shape of the snake that he actually sent. And if you look at that snake, you will be healed and you will live. You will not die. So what is he actually telling Nicodemus? He's telling Nicodemus, God made him sin who did not know sin to become sin for your sake so that you can become the righteousness of God. That is 2 Corinthians 5-21. And he says, Galatians 3-13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse. Why? Look at this. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. That is what he's telling Nicodemus. You know what Jesus is actually saying? I am that serpent who is hanging over there because I became the curse. That is the message of the cross. You know what? In other words, let us recap. He's telling Nicodemus, you have sinned. You are under God's wrath. There's a poison of sinning, sin flowing through your veins and you can do nothing about it. You're going to die. The only way that you can have salvation is by looking at me who has become a curse for you and then you will live. But before you do that, you have to humble yourself and you have to repent and acknowledge yourself that you're a sinner. That is the message of the cross. To whom? To the Jew. So, gospel is the power of God into salvation to the Jew, to the Jew first. So, this is what he told the Jew first. Then what did he tell the Gentiles? Hmm? What did he tell the Gentiles? So, the question is, is this message only for the Jews? Or for everyone? No, no, no. When I'm saying this message, I'm talking about this, this precise message of, of the Son of Man being lifted up on a tree. Is this message only for the Jews? Or for everyone else. Let us observe. Let us see. John's Gospel chapter 12. This is verse, from verse 20 onwards. Look at what it says. Now there were certain who? Greeks who came along to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip who was from Bethsaida and Galilee and asked him saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. But Jesus answered and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man be glorified. And he says, Now... And if I be lifted up, the same term, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying his deaths. So this salvation message is for everybody. That means the first inference that I guess get from this is a message of the cross is to everyone. There's no distinction. That is the reason why you know what Paul says. I am under obligation to the Greek, to the Jew, to the wise, and to the barbarian. Everyone. Everybody. 
there's no background check. <laughs> Romans chapter 1 verse 16 will say, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Greek first, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And then, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, what does the cross declare? What is the first message the cross declares is this. Cross declares that no one is righteous. No, not one. You know, this is amazing. The most righteous man confronted the most righteous men of that time and everyone's sin was exposed. I'll tell you this example, okay? I'll tell you example. I was thinking about this, how to give this example to, for you to make, to, to, to make you understand. One of the things that I like to do, I, I, I like to sing. But uh, I don't have a very interesting voice. You know that, right? I have a loud voice. Although I sing in tune, I have a loud voice. And I'm just taking example of Peter, so I was I was hoping that he'll be there. I didn't want him to go to the Sunday school. So I said, Peter, you know that he has got a fantastic voice. In fact, uh, Sam's commendation about Peter and his sister is that when they sing, they sing like the cherubim together. And which I don't doubt even one bit. Because he can sing at any scale. Low, medium, any pitch and you will just enjoy his song. Right? So let us imagine that there is a singing competition. Okay? Where Peter is being invited and I'm also participating. I practice and practice and practice. I go, I bend over backwards. I go into the waters and I do all kinds of breathing exercises and voice exercises and modulation exercises. And Peter is naturally gifted like that. And he, he also practices, of course, but not as much as I'm, I practice. And then, singing competition happens. He sing, first I sing. I think that I did a fantastic job to the best of my ability. And then comes Peter to the mic. When he starts singing, and he goes through the variations of all the tones. And I'm just, my mouth is open. My best is not good enough. You know, at that very moment, you know what I'll say? Boy, when compared to Peter, I'm a man of unclean lips. Will I not say that? Yes, precisely. No, think about it, no? I worked hard. I, to the best of my abilities. And this guy beats me by a mile. What will happen to me? Two things will happen. I get so, I want that prize for myself. I'll do something. I'll add some poison into his food and do something. Because I want that prize so much for myself. On the other hand, let us say, Peter loves Pastor Vijay very much. You know, so this is called adding insult to injury. Okay. So, so he sings very well. He gets the first prize and he looks at me depressed and he says, Pastor Vijay, I know that you want this prize. You take it. What will happen to me? I'll be so upset. What do you think of yourself? Let me work harder next time. Next time competition will decline. Decline. What is happening over here? 
you know no matter how much i try to reach to the level of a singing it is impossible that is the reason why the songwriter will say rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be for sin the double cure safe from wrath and make me pure not the labor of my hands can fulfill the lost demands could my zeal no respite no could my tears forever flow all for sin could not atone thou must save and thou alone no 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 nothing in my hands i bring simply to the cross i cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace foul i to the fountain fly wash me savior or i die you see that is exactly what jesus did he magnified the holiness of and the righteousness of god and people looked at him and he said boy who can live like that and they were so angry with him they wanted to kill him and he would do it all the time no let me show you some examples no mark's gospel chapter 2 now it happened as he was dining at levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with jesus and his disciples for there were many that they followed him and the scribes and the pharisees saw him no they were observing jesus and look at this no how is it that what was that he eats i mean it's like this no he how can he eat with sinners oh, no i i somebody told me you know this example uh moses moses you work for microsoft oh you work for microsoft and this and that means microsoft is so privileged to have moses yeah on the other hand i say moses you work for microsoft the same the tone is different this is exactly what is happening over here. he is eating with sinners that means ah gal mein dal mein kuch kala hai and and then jesus you know sarcastically he just he neutralizes their their weapons you know what he says jesus heard it he said those who are well have no physician baba they don't need to have a doctor they don't have to go look for a physician but those who are sick i am come to call the righteous no no not not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance that means if you want me to come and eat with you what do you need to do you need to acknowledge that you are sinner are nonsense no way you see the, this is you're confronting exposing their sin left right and center this is not just not i'm mean, giving you a few examples another example john's gospel chapter 8 this is verse okay they said to him teacher the woman was caught in adultery in the very act now moses in the law commanded us that they should, that they should be that person should be stoned to death what do you say what do you you see that what do you you say aha uh-huh. this they said testing him that they might have something to accuse him but he stooped down and wrote on the ground and then he said when he continued asking he said he who is without sin throw the first one can you imagine nobody dare to say i am without sin nobody who can dare to come and sin, say i am a great sinner i mean it's like, it's exactly what happens right think about no if if peter were to come and sing and play the piano and he's done a fantastic job and after that they asked me to come and sing on the stage are who wants to come and sing baba i don't want to spoil the show you see that's exactly what he was without sin show how can you 
Then John's Gospel chapter 9. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world. That those who do not see may see. That those who see may be made blind. And some of the Pharisees, they were upset. Are we blind also? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. <laughs> but you now that you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. You see how he's just giving them left, right and center. I mean, I remember some time back, few years back, I mean, I was growing up. There was, I watched a very interesting Telugu movie classic. The movie's name is Swati Kirinam. How many of you know that movie? All right. You know that somebody knows it, no? They're all ashamed of their past. Don't worry. <laughs> and in that movie, there's this, this guy who was a, who's a pundit in uh, Carnatic classical music. Very, Highly respected guy. They all think that he is God in Carnatic music. I mean, that's exactly what you What are What God ra Carnatic music law? He's a God in mathematics. Mega pand. No? All those kinds of adjectives. Mega pand. He's really a mega pand. Hexa, tera, pega, hexa, peta, tera, giga, mega. Okay, that's mega is least. Okay. Giga pand. Okay. He's a giga pand of, uh, of, of, uh, of Carnatic music. And there's one young chap. He, he, he somehow gets invited into his uh, home and he starts singing and everybody says, Baba, this man's, this little kid's voice is better than this kid's voice. That guy can't take it. His pride is hurt. It's like, just like Saul and David. To David they ascribed his ten thousands, to Saul his ten thousands. Exactly what I mean. His pride is hurt. They ask him to, you know, do sanmanam for him. He says, I refuse. How, how dare you ask? And you know what happens? This guy, whenever he comes with an improvisation of a, of a ragam, he says, not very good. Not very good. This keeps on discouraging him. When in one of the concerts, this master goes and copies the student's tune and he starts singing as if it were his own tune. And everybody in the audience is saying, wow, wow, wow. You know what happened? That guy comes then. And he looks at him. He just doesn't say anything at that time his pride is is overwhelmed with pride he goes back home and he beats him to pulp and he sends him out of the house and what that kid does he goes and kills himself and this fellow goes mad you know that's exactly what happened to the pharisees they were so upset with jesus the only way they could find themselves to be better in their own eyes (laughs) was to kill him Why? Because the cross says there is what? No one who is righteous. No, not one. Look at how Paul describes this in Romans chapter 3. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks. They are all under sin as it is written. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have become unprofitable. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Look at this. His throat is an Open, it is not a closed tomb. What happens to you when you go to open tomb? Smell, stinks. He says his throat is an open tomb. Tongues, they practice deceit. What is there on their lips? The poison of asps is on their lips. In other words, they have literally become poison. In other words, uh, it's like I told you, right? There's a one. There's something like you lie. And you are called a liar. No. You lie because you are a liar. You not only just lie because you are a liar. You lie because you are a lie. That is more profound. 
You see, this is exactly what is happening. The poison of asps is on their lips. The literally the poison of sin is flowing through and through everybody. That's what the cross declares. No one righteous and there is no fear of God before their eyes. The cross declares that the whole world is guilty before God. You know, that's what he says, right? Let God be true and every man a liar. Every man when compared to God is a liar. That's what it means. Okay, let's move on. Then, what does the cross do? The cross exalts the righteousness, the justice and the holiness of God. Matthew chapter 5. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them. For truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one dot or iota or not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's 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 what cross does. It exalts God and says, this is the holy, righteous requirement. Nobody, how many can reach to the standards of God, as I was telling? Nobody can reach the standards of God. Only the way that you can reach is either kill those standards and set up your own standard, which is impossible. All right, so what what do people want? See, what do people want? They always want the standards to come lower and lower and lower. They don't want the the cross to be exalted. You see, when I lower the standard, then I will feel good about myself. That is exactly the reason Paul says, if you compare yourselves with yourselves, I mean, that's exactly what happens to many people in our even on Grace Home. You will compare yourself and yourself with yourself. Sorry, I'm very good at math. Then you go to university. That fellow will be solving equations in the air. I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened to me when I went to masters. No? I, I was top mega point from university. Usman University third. Okay. The moment you go to university, everybody stop one, two, three only. Okay, everybody is one to three, and how can the professor give everybody one to three? He can't. In a class of everybody one, <laughs> how can he give you also one, everybody one? No, we can't give. What happens therefore? And you will see the standard is raised from here to here. I used to go to class. This fellow used to never come with a pen or a paper, and I am with my notes and I'm trying to listen to the lecturer. He is sitting on the back bench and he's run there in this college. His name is Tony Jacob from Kerala. Okay. Oh, uh, Tony Jacob, and now he's a uh, professor in uh, IIT Gowati. Right there in the class. Sir, mm, that equation is wrong. I'm like, what? <laughs> he never studies, apparently so. And we are just sweating and going through night outs and night outs, strikes, and he goes to the exam. A. And what is happening to the class? B minus, C, C plus. Oh, what did he get? B minus. Are average grade. And what happened to this fellow? This one fellow will actually change the entire average of the class. You see, the, therefore, the only way to make sure that I 
get an A grade in the course, just to say, Tony, do one favor. This is an elective. Please drop the course. Let us get an A. The only way to make myself good is to eliminate that fellow. Or to, so that I can lower the standard. That's exactly the reason why the message of the cross, because it exalts God, they want to say, you know what, please lower the standard. Please, in other words, come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. Come down from the cross. They will never say that you are bad. They will say, come down from the cross. Don't have to set up such high standards. That's exactly what happens. You know, you see that even in churches, right? When, you know, one guy, you have a set of people who have been there in the church for a while. Okay? And they think that they're really, really holy, holy peoples, people. And then one guy who's, you know, an addict and he's messed up his life. One day he hears the message and he gets changed. He gets, God touches his life and his 180 degrees change. He's on fire for God. He reads the Bible. And even as he's reading the Bible, he's getting revelation after revelation after revelation. And this guy who's in the church for 10 years, he looked at him and he says, this fellow came, this Johnny come lately. He's making me look so bad. Don't have to be so radical, brother. <laughs> lower the standard. Lower the standard. Lower the standard. What? They don't say you're not doing. You're not doing good. No, you say don't have to be so radical. That's exactly what the Israelites did. Jesus, God, God said, Moses, you come up. How many days? Seven days. Forty days. This fellow Moses. Who's going to wait for such a long time? Who's going? Who can live up to those standards? Let us lower the standards. Aaron, make gods. You know what that, those gods will, they're very religious. They get up early in the morning. How many of you got early in the morning to come to church? Everybody got up. Many of them got up early in the morning. Earlier than the natural, general time. Okay. And then they also offer peace offerings. We also gave some offerings and we sang a few songs, peace offering. And we are also listening to a message that is a big offering for some of us. Because we have to go endure, you know. And then after that, they rose up to eat and to drink and play and some of them became naked. Why? Because they lowered the standards. This is exactly the reason why the cross is an offense to the natural man. It is called the offense of the cross. Look at, I'm I'm not saying something which is extra biblical. You can look at this in Matthew chapter 27. Uh, This is the two robbers Verses 30 onwards. The two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, another on the left. And those who passed, passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, did they send you are a sinner? No. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, what should you do? Come down from the cross. Lower the standard, please. Just not them. Look at what the other guys said. Pharisees, like the, like the, likewise the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and the elders. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, what? Let him come down from the cross. Lower the standard. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have. For he said, I am the son of God. And then, even the robbers who were crucified with him, reviled with him, reviled him with the same thing. 23.9 of Luke's gospel, 23.20.39. Then one of the criminals who was hanged, blasphemed and saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself. In other words, what? Come down from the ground. Lower the standards. Don't have to be so radical, radical. You know, if you look at the modern day hymns, 
and the old hymns. Uh, Pastor showed this example, and this is one of my favorite hymns. I taught all the children at um, GTLC. It's called at the it's called at the cross by Isaac Watts. Okay, the original translation, original hymn will say, "Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote His sacred head for such a worm as I? <laughs> Was it for crimes that I had done? So look at what what am I? A worm. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown." Love beyond degree. What is what is he saying? I'm a worm. What is he saying? I'm a criminal. Ah, you got that. You aced it. A for the day for you guys. Now look at the modification. Because you know what? That's exactly what they thought. Criminal number one, criminal number two, criminal number three. He was numbered among the transgressors. He was considered to be a criminal. So if he is not a criminal, then I should be a criminal. So what is the cross saying? I am a criminal when compared to God. The modified version. Alas, and did my savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head such a one as I? Who is this one? Nobody knows. Was it for? Ah, not crimes. That I have done. You see how amazingly there's subtle variation because a modern day worship cannot stand worm kya hai Self, self, we'll, we'll feel so low, already so sensitive. As I said, no, you're all sensitive people, no? Sensitive people. You're more sensitive. If I, if I say you're a worm, you'll become even more sensitive. Sensitive people come into church. Oh, we should walk on eggshells because sensitive people around touch me not. I am antiseptic. You see? Because it's unbelievable. Because that's exactly the modern. And have you seen the modern day songs? Did you ever come up? Alas, and did my savior bleed? Did my sovereign die? Did he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree, hung upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature sin. You know why? These songs were all the songs of the products of reformation. Reformation was in their hearts. The work of the cross, the message of the cross was in their hearts. And because the message of the cross was in their hearts, the singing changed. Everything changed. They did not want to lower the standards. They want to, wanted to raise to God's standards. That is the reason why Galatians chapter 5 verse 11 will say, And I brethren, <clears throat> if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. You see? Now think about all the songs that we sing. What does it say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Look at this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How should you sing with one another? With first Psalms. What does the Psalm will say? Lord, the glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Psalms are full of the cross. And you see the hymns, which are the product of the Reformation, full of the message of the cross. What is your heart full of? Is it full of the message of the cross? No wonder your songs are so shallow. So shallow. 
Our songs are so shallow. Worship is so shallow. Sometimes we need to really humble ourselves and say, you know, Lord, I better sing those songs until that spirit comes onto me. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory, my richest gain, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ, my Lord. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to your blood. You see, that is cross. Mm -hmm. What is the next message of the cross? The cross declares both the goodness of God and the severity of God. Both. Question, think about it. When you see the cross, whom do you find there? Yeah, answer. Whom do you find on the cross? The old rugged cross. Whom do you find? Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Son of God. Son of God is also God. Yeah, he's God. Son of God. God. And God, can God ever die? No. Why is he dying? How can the one who gives life die? Can our modern minds even think about these things? Think. You see? You think about it? Can, can we think? Who's dying? God is dying. Who crucified him? I crucified him. God crucified. Why is he dying? If he's immortal. The question is, why is he dying? Is for whom is he dying? Look at what it says in Psalms chapter 85 verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteous, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Unfailing love and truth, in other translations, will say, unfailing love and truth have met each other. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. What is happening on the cross? This is God. This is God. God the Father, God the Son. God the Father is killing God the Son so that he can save the Son of Men. That is what he's doing. You see? Mercy and truth. You know this, God has a big problem. Yesterday, pastor was talking about it. How can a just God forgive sin? How can he wink at sin? He cannot shove it under the carpet. I was telling the others, you know, when somebody comes to our home, what do we do? Take a broom, start... Cleaning, 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 and that fellow is really near the corner. What do we do? You take the dust and put it on the ca- carpet. I mean, it's very interesting, no? Whenever you come to church office, when he comes, Pastor James, first he goes to the place where you find dust. I'm like, oh my goodness. Exactly the place where I didn't clean, he will find it. This is exactly how God does. He does not wink at sin. He opens up everything everything, all the lies that you said, even though they were white lies, all the looks, everything that you thought nobody saw, he saw. 
And you know where he recorded it? Inside of you. Every thought that you thought, he recorded inside of you. You have, at, I don't know, terabytes, I mean thoughts a day, you need, I think you will think 1 TB thought per day into 365, into 80 years on an average. You can imagine how much of thoughts we have thought a day. You know what Bible says in Romans chapter 2? They show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their conflicting thoughts either accuse them or excuse them when? On that day. When Christ, when God, according to my gospel, will judge the world through that man, Jesus Christ. In other words, on that day, all the thoughts that you had, all the thoughts, imagine all unconfessed thoughts, (laughs) they will all be put on the screen. Where is it? In your memory. Somewhere stored inside of your consciousness. Everything. Some one man of God said, you know, all the data is stored in the cloud. Because we are all cloud people now. Every data, every thought, every attitude, every motive, everything is in the cloud. Your DNA is in the cloud. One day all he has to do is in one computer, access that file, your history will come out like that. Come on, we can do big data analysis. How much more God? He is a bigger, bigger data analysis. He will show everything. He is not going to tolerate even one bad thought. In other words, think about it. Even even one single thought is enough for me to be kept out of God's presence for all eternity. That is how holy and righteous God is. So the point is, if God is so righteous, how can he forgive sin? How can he just not look at sin? So what the message, you know what the cross says? The cross says, you know what? God is so righteous that he will not overlook sin, but he's also so loving that he will punish himself for my sin. I don't know, I heard sometime back, one guy was saying this, no? Imagine the entire world did not sin. I'm the only one who sinned. Would Christ come to die for me? Yes. Who will crucify him? You will crucify him. That is the reason why, you know what Peter says, the first day message, the Christ that whom, what? You crucified God made Lord and Savior. The message of the cross. You know what they said? Lord, they were cut to their hearts and they said, what shall we do? God is an incredible problem solver. You know what he did? He took our sin, put it on Jesus and He said, you know what, you believe in my son, just look at him and believe in him, you will have eternal life. That is what it says, mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have, if you think about mercy and truth as two vectors, the cross is the intersection of those two vectors. Romans chapter 3, look at what it says, beautiful. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. What is this word propitiation? You know what this word propitiation means? You know, I have a iron box in my home. It's a ridiculous iron box. It gets hot very fast like that. Now, I take that iron box like this and I take some bottles of a few drops of cold water and I pour it on the iron box. What happens? 
it just disintegrates. Now, can I say the iron box is angry with the water? No. It is the nature of the hot iron box to disintegrate anything which is cold. You will never say that God is so angry. It is the nature of God to be angry at sin. It is his nature. But so how is he going to quench that? We have one song. That day on the cross when Jesus died, what was satisfied? The wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. In Christ alone, my hope is found. You see that song? That's what's propitiation. God put forward as a propitiation through his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over sins committed. In other words, he said, you know what? I look at my son and I look at your sins. I just literally pass over. I say, I did not see that. So the pastor was talking to the, to the, to the, to the pastors and he was saying, if you go into the court of law, one thing that you want to hear from the judge is not, you're forgiven. No, you are not guilty. That is what you want to hear from the judge. You are not guilty. Just not forgiven. Because law, as pastor was saying, it's the righteous demands of God are so high, you cannot even meet it. You cannot even meet the righteous requirements of, of the law in our land. Or law of any land. You wouldn't believe it, no? I mean, I, I remember I give you this example. I was, I was in traveling from New York to Montreal. Snowy day, and we had to reach Montreal within five hours. Okay, it's about four, four hours, five hours, six hours drive. The traffic was terrible, and we were literally zipping. Check, 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 check. And you know what happens? Those fellows will be hiding in the bushes, right? Uh, it's unbelievable, no? How you can, you don't even know them. Then suddenly out of nowhere, this guy comes, and three Desis driving a Honda car, okay? That is a Desi car. And suddenly you will hear sirens. For us, gone. And you wouldn't believe it, no? This sounds the horn. Everybody in the car is scared. And the voice is, is really, really terri- ter- terrifying. Don't get out of the car. In other words, if you get out of the car, I'm going to shoot you. And you'll be shivering like that. You know? And you're not even supposed to open the windshield. He's going to come and he's going to knock at your windshield and then you're supposed to put it down. So, he put it down and one fellow was behind. I pain the pani. I pain the. You're gone. You're gone. And they were all shivering. And then he comes and he says, You know why I stopped you? <laughs> Sir, <laughs> we are going at 60. 60? 72. And you know what? Immediately charge sheet given. You should, if you read the charge sheet, you'll be terrified. You know, he, this guy opens opens the chart sheet and he starts reading it. The state of New York versus Vasudevan Janardhanan. What? I broke a traffic rule and I sinned against the entire state? See, one traffic rule you sinned against. If you plead guilty, pay $250 fine. Else, find yourself a counselor and come to court on such and such a day. <laughs> Sir... <laughs> $250, take it and go. 
You see? You're not going to argue with the law. You see, that is the righteous. And you think God is any less? One small traffic, whatever, offense, you're sinning against the entire state. One small thought, are you not sinning against the Almighty God? That's the point. That is the point. And if you were to start, you know what's going to happen on that day? When you stand before God, that one sin that you committed will be magnified to all eternity. I'll tell you, think about it, no? Think about it. Think about it. Let's say you are addicted to alcohol. Okay? Addicted to I'm just giving an example. You started drinking alcohol when you were 20 years old. You got hooked to it. And you lived with that addiction for the next 40 years. You drank and drank and drank. You never got saved. And you are addicted to alcohol. And with that addiction, you enter into eternity. What is going to happen to your addiction? Is it going to be lessened or magnified? How much will it be magnified? Infinite times. You get into eternity with your anger. You didn't forgive one sin. Bitter. Okay? Are you so angry? Uh, my daughters are very, Papa, you're gnashing your teeth. Okay. So they, they know the Bible very well. Okay? Don't gnash your teeth. Okay? So you're gnashing your teeth. So you say, okay, fine, I'm not dealing with it now. You don't deal with it. You don't deal with it. You don't deal with it. And you enter into eternity with one gnashing. What happens to you? All eternity, what will you have? What will happen to you? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's exactly how God sees sin. You see sin in time. God sees sin in eternity. That is how God sees it. Magnifies. And therefore, who can save us? Only an eternal God can pay the eternal punishment. So what what does God do? He sends his son. Who was from eternity. From time immemorial. He was from the beginning. And he will be there till the ending. He was the eternal God. And you know what the songwriter will say? This mystery all. The immortal dies. You know that song, right? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused this pain? And for me who him to death pursued amazing love? How can it be that thou my God should die for me? It's mystery that immortal dies. Who can explain his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all let earth adore. Let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? That thou my God should die for me. You see what happens? What God does? He takes the eternal sin and he puts it on the eternal God and your sin is forgiven for all eternity. That is what the cross does. That is the message of the cross. You know why devil hates it? Now you understand? What power it is for one sinner when he knows that his sins are absolutely forgiven. He can shake the whole world. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And then God God says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Luke's Gospel chapter 23, and you see that. This is the other uh, thief. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? 
And we indeed are receiving the due reward of our deeds justly. But this man has done nothing wrong. You know what he says? Jesus, remember me? When you enter into your kingdom, and what does Jesus say? Today, not tomorrow. Today you will be with me in paradise. That is the reason why God is telling some of us, don't keep postponing your sin, confession of your sin. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Just imagine you enter into eternity with that anger. What's going to happen to you? All eternity. That's the point. Then what is, this, what is the next thing the cross does? It shows the just requirement of God. And one of the things it does is this. You know what it does? It produces repentance in our lives. It produces. What it, how does it produce repentance? It shows us who we actually are and we begin to hate ourselves for our sin. That, that's exactly what Job says. What does Job say? I've seen you now and I abhor myself and what do I do? I repent in dust and in ashes. This is exactly what happens in Ezekiel chapter 36. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and increase the uh, increase uh, of the abundant of, of the, the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. This is exactly what repentance is that you say, Lord, how could I do this to you? How could I do this to you? Every day, every day. Think about it, no? If you have this attitude every day, what an incredible blissful life you will have. And the enemy hates that because he doesn't want you to be having no condemnation. How many of us can go boldly to the throne of God? Something, always, no, I did this, 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 I did this. Will, will the Lord even hear me? Why are our, our prayers not very not full of confidence? Because we have thoughts of condemnation in our hearts. You have not appropriated the message of the cross. Then, finally, all boasting is gone. All boasting, gone. When you see the cross, what will you do? Will you show off your degree? Nothing is going to show. All boasting is gone. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does it tell me? Everybody boasts. Either you boast in the cross or you boast in something else. It doesn't matter what it is. Either you boast in your good works and in your, in your whatever, in your penance and in your, in your goodness or in how much you gave to the church, how many, how many, how much time you prayed, nothing. You'll say, you know, look at the cross and you say, what, Lord? All boasting gone. All boasting is gone. What will you boast? 1 John chapter 2. What is this? Boasting is of the world. Everything is gone. There's nothing. Nothing. Think about it. You know? What does Paul say? I'm a Benjamite. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, when it comes to the righteousness of the law, I am blameless. You know what he says? Everything is rubbish. When compared to God, I can't boast in any of those achievements in my life. Nothing. 1 John chapter 2. 
That's what it says in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but from the world. What does it mean? And then it's, of course, 1 John chapter 2 will say, and the world is passing away with all its lusts, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In other words, for if you do this, if you have this, then the Father's love is not here in your heart. The love of the Father is not in you. What does it tell me? When you look at the cross, the only response that you can have is this. Lord, you own me. You own me. What, what is the other thing that I can do when I see this goodness? The only response I should have is, Lord, you own me. I am completely devoted to you. Because you bought me. See that? You see that song? Again, do you know that hymn writer, right? See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down, did air such love and sorrow meet, not thorns composed so rich a crown, where the whole realm of nature mine, where an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It demands, but all of love. All of love. That is the reason why James chapter 4 verse 4 will say, very interesting verse. You know what James chapter 4 verse 4 will say? Adulteresses and adulterers. Do you not know friendship with the world is enmity against God? You see something, you need to understand this. This is so, so important for us to understand. When Jeremiah was talking about idolatry, you know, every time when God talks about idolatry, he uses intensely graphic sexual imagery. Very, very graphic. He tells through Jeremiah to the Israelite, to the Judah, to the people of Judah, he said, you know what? Under every high hill, under every green tree, you worship. What? He doesn't say you worship idols. What does he say? You played the? You played the what? You know what the original Hebrew says? Under every high hill, under every green tree, English will say, you played the harlot. The original Hebrew says, you spread your legs. That's what it says. It's intense. It's remarkably intense. And this is exactly what he says. He says, you know what? I was the one who brought you out of Egypt. I purchased you. I showed you love. And then you are looking and searching after other lovers. After seeing the cross, what will your response be? You know what God says? You are finding solace in somebody else. Somebody else. It doesn't matter how many else you find. You will never find satisfaction apart from me. Apart from you, you will not find satisfaction. It's exactly this. Friendship with the world is enmity against God. Enmity. And he says, does not the spirit envy jealously? It's an intensely graphic uh, picture in a marriage. He says, your affections are mine. That is exactly what the cross says. You know what? All your worship, all your affections. In other words, your money, your time, your resources, your energy, everything. Your relationships, everything should be centered around me and me alone. Else you have not appropriated the message of the cross. Romans chapter 12. 
I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, offer. And then what? Do not be conformed to this world. Come to that again. Again, you see this. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is the lust of the flesh? Desire. What is the lust of the eyes? Show off. Outward. Outward beauty. No inward change. And I want to look at a very interesting example concerning this from Second Kings. Chapter 9. Outward, no change inside. Remember this. Elijah is frustrated. He goes to the mountain. God says, three people you have to anoint. First person, Hazael. King over Syria. Then, Jehu. King over Israel. Third, Elisha. The prophet who is going to be in your place. Elijah is taken off, taken over into the, into the, in the whirlwind. And Elisha becomes the prophet. And the time of Jehu's anointing comes. So what does, Je- what, what does Elijah say? Elisha say? He tells a young man, young prophet, go to Jehu's house, call him secretly into a room, anoint his head with oil, and run for your life. It's very comic, okay? Because those days, the prophet's head was, if somebody else was getting uh, anointed as kings, that fellow's gone. So, this guy goes, Goes to Jehu, he calls him, anoints him, runs for his life. Now this is what happens when he goes. This is, let me read it. So the young prophet went to Ramoth Gilead. When he arrived, found the army officers sitting together. I have a message for you, commander, he said. For which of us, asked Jehu, for you, the commander. Commander, he replied. Jehu got up, went into the house. The prophet poured the oil on Jehu's head and declared, this is what the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says. I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to destroy the house of Ahab, your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets. What does he do? And the blood of the Lord's servants and the whole house of Ahab, etc. Then what does he do? As, as for Jezebel, dogs will devour her, her on the plot of the ground as Jezreel, and no one will bury her. He speaks this prophecy over this guy, and he runs for his life. So what does Jehu do? You know what the story, Jehu goes, he kills Jezebel, he kills 70 of Ahab's sons and everything is fantastic. So is God very happy with, with Jehu? Apparently so, this is what the Lord says in 2 Kings chapter 10. Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel. Then? But Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebath, which he made Israel to sin. That is the golden calves that were in Bethel and in Dan. And then you know what happens? And the Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in carrying out what is right in my eyes, and you have done to the house of Ahab according to all that is in my, was in my heart, your sons of the fourth generation will sit on the throne. Four generations you will sit on the throne. But what happens? Jehu, sins. And this is the analysis of God about Jehu in Hosea chapter 1 verse 4. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, by, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel. What is he telling here? Did God not anoint Jehu to kill Ahab? Yes. 
Did he not anoint Jehu to kill Jezebel? Yes. Did he not anoint Jehu to kill the 70 sons of Ahab? Yes. Did he not carry them all out? Yes. But he's still pronouncing curse on him. Why? Why? You know why? Outwardly you'll see that Jehu is obeying God. But inwardly, his heart is not right. What does he do? He goes and worships the two golden calves. He brings the standard of God down. You know what God says? Outwardly, yes. But inwardly, that is all show. That is what we call as the lust of the eyes. All show, 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 show. Everybody thinks that Vijay is very holy, holy, holy. But deep, 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 deep down inside, God knows. Is Vijay anointed? Yeah. Does he preach well? Yeah. Does he drive out demons? Maybe. And does he really not go and tell God, God, in that day, did I not drive out demons in my, in your name? Did I not prophesy in your name? And what will God say? I do not know you, you workers of lawlessness. You know why? Because deep down inside of your heart, you didn't have any love for me. It was all outward, outward. It was a lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You see? That is the story of Jehu. Sad. Can you imagine? It's, it's incredible. A man who is anointed of God finally messes up because he does not apprehend the message of the cross in his heart, in his life. That is lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And therefore what Peter says, Peter says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live to righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And then, you see, Romans chapter 6 verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You see, what happens after this, one of the things that the cross demands is, you know what, your life, your all, a battle against sin, the battle against your flesh every day of your life and the battle against the world every day of your life. You see, this is, what this, is. This is the message of the cross in a nutshell. And that is the reason why enemy knows if there is no condemnation, you can go free. And there is no fear. Therefore he says, let us try to obscure it. Either he will say, do more things so that you can please God. Or it does not matter. God will always forgive. That is what we call as legalism or license. Two extremes. Legalism, do, 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 you have to, you have to maybe fast 21 days to ask God to forgive your sin. And that is exactly so many young believers. When I was young, when I sinned once, Lord, I will not ask forgiveness now. First, let me just be holy for another one, 24 hours. I will not do anything, 24 hours, 48 hours, and then I will go on Sunday morning and I will say, Lord, I sinned, yes, but you know, the next 24 hours and 48 hours I was okay. Please can you forgive me? That's what many believers do that. That is what we call as legalism. Other people will say, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you sin, God will always forgive. That's what we call as license. You see, that, that is the reason that the message of the cross. What is, what is it? There is therefore, when there is no condemnation, now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, now. Everything now. It is at the present time you live the life the cross. So this morning, even as we are here in the house of the Lord, 
We'll sing that hymn. If I can have the worship team, please, you can come over and we'll sing that hymn when I survey the wondrous cross. Even as we sing this morning, just can we all stand up in the house of the Lord? There's only one answer to all our problems. It is the message of the cross. You see, in the book, if you read the book, Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is he comes to the cross and his burden falls away. After his burden falls away, you know what happens? He is given a certificate. So he carries the certificate in his hands. Okay. And he's walking and walking and walking. He's climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain. And before he goes to the house where all those beautiful sisters are, there's a place where he wants to take some rest. So what does Christian do? He goes to that place and he falls asleep. And even as he falls asleep, he just opens his hand like that and the certificate falls off from his hand. What is that certificate? Declaring him not guilty. And then after a while, he just gets up. He says, oh my goodness, I've wasted so much of my time here. Oh, he, he forgets about the certificate and starts running. And if I remember the story well, there are a couple of guys running back. You know what they say? Scared. They say, what happened? Christian asked them, what happened? Why are you running? Why is your face so scared? You know what they say? We have seen lions. We have seen lions. We have seen lions. We are so scared. Christian says, oh, did you see lions? And suddenly, he also starts fearing. And he asks, why am I fearing? And he suddenly notices that in his hands, the certificate is gone. So you know what he does? He runs back to that place. And he starts searching for the certificate and he finds it. You know what that means? Let me tell you symbolically what's going on. He climbs and he climbs and he says, you know what, I've done enough. Let me just relax for a moment. That's so many people who walk the Christian walk. They say, we have walked for, let me just relax for a moment. You know what happens when they relax? Just like David, they fall into sin. And when they fall into sin, what happens to the certificate? It is lost. Now you want to progress on your journey, there will be two lions. What are those lions? I'll tell you. But before that happens, Christian goes back to that place. When he finds that certificate, what does it mean? He confesses. He goes back to the place where he sinned. He confesses his sin. He repents of his sin. And you know what happens? He finds the certificate again. Now this time, he clasps the certificate in his hand. He starts moving towards that place. And he starts listening to the lions roaring. Roaring and roaring. He's scared. But even as he's scared, he hears a voice from the other side. Don't worry. They are chained. Don't worry. Don't worry. They are chained. The lion is the devil. It will roar at you when you fall into sin. But when you confess your sin, you will hear a voice on the other side. You humble yourself. God will keep you from the roaring lion. 
God will keep you from the roaring lion because you know why? He silenced that lion's voice on the cross. It says the handwriting of ordinances which is against you was nailed to the cross and he made the principalities and powers of darkness a public spectacle. And he disarmed them. He made their voices only roars. They can't devour you anymore. That is the message of the cross. You know what Christian does? He clasps the certificate in his hands. And the road becomes narrow. But even as the lions are coming to him, he sees the chain. They can only come thus far. They can only roar. You know what he does? He gets boldness and he just walks through that place. And he reaches onto the other side. That is the reason why the psalm writer, the songwriter says, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the, the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God should die for me? That is the cross. No condemnation because every sin was nailed to the cross on that day. That is the message of the cross. You don't have to fear any condemnation. Today, therefore, today, if you have unconfessed and say, Lord, I ask you to forgive my sin, even as we sing the song. Just pray and cry out to God this morning. Yes, let me sing.
Scripture says in Romans chapter 5 Having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and not only so we have the grace for the present and a hope of eternal glory and this morning if you have sinned through the week or even if you have sinned this morning was coming to church. This is a time when we can say, Lord, Father, see from your head. We see from your hands. We see from your feet. Sorrow and love flowing mingled down. And Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, they're talking. And when This guy is reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 says, who is this man talking about? And Philip preaches Christ. And that very moment, can anybody stop me from being baptized? The eunuch says. This morning, even as you hear the voice of conviction, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, but there is definitely conviction. says, Lord, if you would mark iniquities, who can stand before you? But there is forgiveness in you so that you may be feared. This morning, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all our sins. That is the exciting message of the cross. And you don't have to fear any condemnation. And the very God who is against you, He becomes for you. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies who it is to condemn. It is Christ who died. Christ who was buried. Christ who was risen from the dead. Christ who was seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not sure to whom I'm speaking this morning. But I believe someone here is convicted, I'm sure. And you're saying, Lord, this is too big a sin, Lord. Too big, too big, too big, Lord. Don't shorten God's hand in your life. The wildest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And not only so, the very power of God which was against you becomes for you. And he gives you the power to overcome every sin in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the message of the cross. And this morning let me just ask, say, Lord, whatever sin even as the Lord brings to your remembrance, even as the Spirit brings to your remembrance, even as you get convicted, just cry out and say, Lord, now is the time. Lord, we are not playing games over here, O Lord. We are not playing games, O Lord. 
We just want to confess our sin. Father, so many of us in fear and in bondage, the lions roaring at us because we lost our assurance of salvation because of our sin. But Lord, this morning we want to run back like Christian ran back to that place where we sang, where we sinned, O oh Lord, and we want to set everything right with you and with man. Oh Father, we want to get that assurance back. And no lion, no roaring lion can stop us because we know they are all chained, O oh Lord. There are only voices to make us fear and to intimidate us, Lord. But we will walk boldly. Because Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not freely with him give us all things? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning. Oh Lord, we just humble ourselves, oh Lord. Father, we ask you to forgive us our ingratitude. Father, of a spirit of entitlement. Father, forgive us. We took so many things for granted. We took you for granted. Oh Lord, forgive us. Bring conviction into our hearts this morning, oh Lord. Father, I believe that you have put this message into my heart. Oh Lord, we don't want to be like Nicodemus who will go back into the darkness without confessing. But Lord, we want to go back into that light, oh Lord. We want to go back and we want to walk guilt-free without any condemnation, oh Lord. Knowing that you are on our side and not against us. Oh Father, 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 cleanse us from our sin. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Father, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. It is a blood that cleanses us. It is a blood that makes us whole. It washes us whiter than snow. Our Jesus, God's precious sacrifice. Oh Lord, we come back to you this morning. We just want to love you more, Lord. We want to, we, you are not a God who intimidates us. Lord, you are a God who woos us by your love. Father, you don't scare us, Lord. But Lord, you warn us lovingly like a father. Father, this morning we want to come back to our heavenly father. We want to come back like David and say, Lord, against you and you only we have sinned. And just like the way you told David, you say, Lord, your sin has been put away. You will not die. But you will live. And you will declare the works of God in our lives. Oh, Jesus, the power of cross. The power of the cross. Power of the cross. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Law and sin both broken. The power of the law and the power of sin both broken on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And this morning, we just want to lift up holy hands and we say, Lord, we boast only in your cross and nothing else, oh Lord. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash us Savior this morning or we die. Oh Lord. While I draw this fleeting breath. While my eyes shall close and rest. 
while I sow to worlds unknown to see thee on thy judgment throne. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Oh Lord, we want to hide ourselves in you this morning, oh Lord. Oh Jesus, we want to hide ourselves in you this morning. Lord, we want to hide ourselves, oh Lord. Father, we just want to come back to you. Come back to you this morning, oh Lord. Straying hearts, even as we sang in the morning, prone to wander. Lord, we feel it prone to leave the God we love. Here's our heart, O Lord, and take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Oh, Jesus, this morning we surrender ourselves, O Lord. We lift up your name. We lift up your word. We lift up the work of the cross in our lives, O Lord. Father, we will not be ashamed of the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we will not be, we will just not boast in any other thing except on the cross. Oh, Jesus, do a deep work in our lives, O Lord, through this day, through this week. Do a deep work, O Lord, in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.